If we haven't met before, my name is Ashley, and I'm the senior pastor here. I'm so glad you're here for the last week of Denoise. This has been such a great series. We've been finding peace in the middle of anxiety. And today, we're not just talking about getting rid of voices of anxiety and things that cloud up and make noise in our life. No, no, no. We are talking about bringing peace in every situation, bringing peace with us wherever we go. So my family, we love water parks. You guys love water parks? We go probably every year, and one of our favorite rides is the Lazy River. And I don't have any recent pictures of us on the Lazy River, but here's one from like five years ago. This is my husband and my daughter, Sophie. She's like two at the time. They have like the same haircut going on. <laughs> A little throwback picture. I love that her arms are up. She's like, this is amazing. You know, she's not holding on to anything. I think her dad's holding on to her. And my husband, you know, his, his legs are up in the water. They're just resting on that nice, you know, inner tube, going where the lazy river takes them. I think this ride is so relaxing because you're just sitting there soaking up the sun, you know, smelling the chlorine, uh, just feeling the gentle bobbing as the water moves you around the water park. And you get to see like all of the great sights with like no work. You're just resting. But, you know, sometimes when you're in the lazy river, there's like an obstacle coming up, maybe a waterfall. And sometimes you're like, oh, I don't, I don't want to get in that waterfall. Maybe your spouse is like pushing you towards it. Like, this will be so funny. You're like, no, I don't want to get my makeup all messed up. So you, you just dive out, you know, you bail out of your inner tube. And then you start walking and you're like, oh, this current is not as easy when I'm trying to push my way through the water and you're striving and you're working and it's not relaxing anymore and you're going the wrong way. And those are basically the two ways of relating to God. So one way is a relational rest. It's trusting in Jesus and his finished work at the cross where he says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest for your souls. He's like, hey, stop striving. Stop trying to prove yourself. Stop trying to earn your salvation. Stop trying to be good enough. Stop trying to do what you could never do on your own and receive what I have purchased for you. Receive it and rest. Rest. So we could rest in his grace or we can do things our own way in religious works where we're like, I got to be good enough and I got to do this and that and we're focused on ourselves instead of focused on him. But he wants us to be able to rest in him. When you trust in him and your soul is resting, Jesus has washed away your sins, the Bible says, and he indwells you with the Holy Spirit. He gives you the part of God that can live in you. So not only are you cleansed, but you're empowered for life. The Holy Spirit is your comforter. He's your guide. He confirms what God is doing in your life. And you can be baptized in the Holy Spirit. You can be immersed in him so you can drink of him you can have him in you and you can be immersed in him and i think that's what the lazy river is like but unlike a lazy river that goes in circles the holy spirit he's got places that he's taking you he's got adventures at the right time perfectly tailored to who god made you to be things that you could never make happen on your own 
He brings you to these things as you rest and trust and listen to him. We've been looking at this verse, this whole series, Proverbs 3, 6. It says, listen for God's voice in everything you do, everywhere you go. He's the one who will keep you on track. When you're listening to him, he keeps you on track. We listen and he leads. And maybe that feels like an oversimplification to you because, you know, you're like, I'm not really on this inner tube thing. And I don't feel like I'm going this way either. I actually feel like... I'm drowning. And it's hard to hear God's voice because all the other voices feel loud and they feel overwhelming and I can't think. But the thing is, when we clear them away, we can hear that voice of truth. That's what we've been doing this whole series, denoising the voices that keep us stuck so that we can listen to God's voice. We've been identifying sources of anxiety, which are just a signal of a deeper root and we've been looking at those roots so we can listen to the truth that God has for us when you hear his voice you don't have to figure out everything you don't have to worry about doing the right thing you can rest with him you can move with him you can walk with him and work with him and watch what he's doing you can follow his leading and receive his peace and it's just receiving what Jesus already earned We're going to look at the book of Isaiah today, and in this book, God is talking to his people, and the people have kind of wandered away. They've kind of strayed from him, and in those times, since Jesus hadn't come yet, all of their blessings were based on their obedience to God, and then they were cursed when they disobeyed, because they're like, God, we can do this all on our own. I mean, we barely need you, and he's like, cool, let's see how that works out for you. And they're in a tough spot, and he's prophesying about Jesus, who is to come. So Isaiah 48, 17, this is what the Lord says, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, I'm the Lord your God, who teaches you what is good for you, and leads you along paths you should follow. Oh, that you had listened to my commands, then you would have had peace flowing like a gentle river, and righteousness rolling over you like waves in the sea. The fruit of listening to God is peace that flows like a gentle river. It's righteousness like waves that wash over you. But in and of ourselves, it's impossible. It's impossible to obey all of God's commands because we have a sin nature. The good news, though, is that God sent Jesus to do what we could not. And at the cross, he took on all the places we fell short. He gave us credit for all the good things that he had done. We exchanged our shortcomings for his righteousness. And then every place we miss the mark, he gives us right standing with God. Then we experience peace. We're not worried about our eternity. We're not trying to earn salvation that we could never earn. Our soul is at rest. It's already approved of by God because when he looks at us, he sees the blood of his son, Jesus. And it's really the internal position, you know, of resting versus working, of being a son or daughter in God's family where he loves you unconditionally or feeling like an orphan at an orphanage, like, how could I get someone to adopt me? How could I get someone to love me? How could I earn love? How could I get approval? 
God says he's adopted us into his family and we are sons and daughters and we serve him out of a a position of being approved and resting in that love, of receiving his love that fills us to overflowing. Isaiah 32, 17 says, the fruit of righteousness is peace. Peace is a fruit of the Spirit. It's a result that comes from trusting in Jesus. So you trust in Jesus, he makes you righteous, and you receive peace. And that word peace in the Hebrew, it's shalom. Tell your neighbor, shalom. Shalom. And what does that mean? This is a word that we translate as peace, but it is so much more than peace. We're going to put the definition on the screen for you. In Hebrew, it's completeness, it's safety, it's soundness in body, it's your welfare, it's your health, prosperity. Yes, peace, quiet, tranquility, contentment, peace in human relationships, and peace with God. It's like if you could have any peace, this is all of the peace in God's shalom. So shalom is peace from Jesus. And then it comes from the same root word as, the, as shalem, shalem, which means paid in full. So we receive shalom from Jesus because he did shalem. He paid for our righteousness. Now imagine if somebody paid off your mortgage. That would be good. I have like 25 years left on our mortgage. I would feel peaceful. I would feel excited. I would feel free. In the same way, we have peace with our salvation. We have peace with our eternity. Peace because Jesus paid the price for our sins and he made us free. And we live out of that place of freedom and it's a resting position of knowing who we are in him. Come on. But it's not just being lazy like the lazy river. It's working, it's living out of that position of rest, out of that position of already being confident and approved in him. Anytime you feel anxiety instead of peace, and we all do at some point, you got to ask yourself, am I trying to pay for something that Jesus already purchased? Am I trying to pay for something that Jesus already purchased? I'm feeling anxiety. Did he already purchase this? You know, I feel this way sometimes when I first started preaching, I definitely felt it where you just feel this insecurity, you know, where it's like, okay, I got to prove myself. I got to find security in people. I've got to be confident and make it happen. But Jesus is like, no, 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 no. When you do that, you're striving. You're like, I've got to prove this. And he's like, no, no, no. I already paid for that. I already approve of you. So you're already secure. Your foundation is in me. Your identity is in me. And you can be confident and bold and not need something from anyone because you already have everything you need in Jesus. And then you can serve people better. You can live out your life and your calling better because you're not trying to get something that's already been paid for. Some of us struggle with perfection where everything has to be just so or we've got anxiety because, you know, we're trying to keep up all the things that we're juggling. The thing is, it's impossible to be perfect. And the Bible says that all of our righteous acts, they're like filthy rags anyway. Like our best efforts at perfection, they're nothing compared to Jesus' perfection. And he already lived perfectly so that we don't have to. So that we can be accepted and approved and loved out of a position of receiving from him. 
Or how about this? You know sometimes when you're like, wow, I have messed up, and you feel guilt, and you feel shame, and you're like, I hopped off the inner tube, and now it's like all the way over there, I can't even get to it. I didn't know this was going to happen. You're struggling against the current. You're like, this is hard. And you're not resting anymore. And you're working and you're doing life yourself. And you're trying to make up for your choices. And you're trying to pay for what Jesus already paid for. You don't have to do that. You receive forgiveness from him. And then you live out of that freedom. And sometimes that means you need to go apologize for something that happened. Maybe you need to go make amends. Maybe you learn from your mistake, but you don't live your whole life rehashing it. You don't live your whole life repaying for it. Jesus already paid for it. His payment is enough. Anxiety comes in when we go against our new spirit nature. Ezekiel 36, 25, another book of prophecy, it says, I'll sprinkle clean water on you and you'll be clean. I'll cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. So that's what Jesus does. Uh, Verse 26, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I'll put my spirit in you and I will move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. So Jesus cleanses us and then God puts his Holy Spirit in us and the Spirit moves us to follow him. The Spirit empowers us to please our Father. And the way he does that, he takes us by the hand, the way you take one of your kids, and he so gently guides us. He's like, come on, bring your inner tube this way. Yeah, you don't want to go over there. That's a waterfall. Come over here. And he guides us. He doesn't push you. He doesn't possess you. He respects your freedom of choice. Galatians 5.25 says, Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. We simply follow Him. He leads and we follow. And when you're feeling anxiety, it's probably an indicator that you're still fighting that current in the river. You're working instead of resting. Because when the Holy Spirit leads you, there is peace. You're like, how, how do I know if I'm hearing from him? Is there peace? You might be thinking, it can't be that simple. I've been struggling. Like maybe for years, maybe you've been struggling your whole life. Maybe you're like, I've been suicidal. I've been depressed. I've been suffering. And you're telling me the solution is that simple? No, I don't believe it. It's not that simple. The thing is, that's a lie. The enemy's been trying to make you think that it's complicated, that it's too hard, that you can't overcome this, that you'll never kick it, that you'll never experience peace. And when you listen to those lies, it does sound like an impossibility, but Jesus says, the truth will set you free. And the truth, it's so simple. He doesn't make it complicated. And we're like, yeah, but that can't be it. And God's like, Yeah, this is it, because Jesus already did the work. The work is finished. Receive it. But what do we do when we start to feel anxious? Philippians 4, 6 says, don't fret or worry. Instead of worrying, pray. Let petitions and praises shape your worries into prayers, letting God know your concerns. Before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness, everything coming together for good, will come and settle you down. It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. You know God already knows all your concerns, but he's saying when you're worried, you need to pray. 
because it helps us. We're exchanging our worries for his peace through prayer. When you worry, you've got worry at the center of your life and you make decisions based on that and you're like, oh, I'm afraid this is gonna happen so I gotta go that way and I'm afraid about this and I'm worried and I'm nervous and I'm stressed and I've got an ulcer. No, no, no. You wanna put Jesus back at the center of your life and you do that through prayer. I love it. It says, he'll settle you down when you pray to him. So you say, God, I'm stressed about this thing And then you're like, oh, I still feel anxious. No, no, no. Keep talking to him about it. Talk to him about all the details of it that you've been ruminating over. Release all those things to him. Some of our things are so entrenched that it takes a few minutes to uproot them. And then maybe you're going throughout your day and you're tempted to worry again and you're like, oh, here's another place that I can pray and say, God, I trust you. Here's my worry. I receive your peace. Another version of Philippians 4, 7 says, when you pray, you'll experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. He has a peace that is beyond understanding. That means we don't understand it. We don't get it. We don't get all the details, but that's okay. We receive it. We don't have to understand it all. And he says, when you receive that peace, it actually guards your heart and it guards your mind. And it's like, it's like a sentry at the gate of your heart and mind, not letting anything in that shouldn't get in and pushing out, going on the offense about things that don't need to be in there, about voices of the enemy, about lies that you've believed in your childhood. His, his peace guards you which I think is so exciting because then we're not doing life ourselves. It's like, he is guarding me. Maybe it helps you to physically write your prayer on a piece of paper and then put it away. Maybe put it, you know, in a box or a bag, someplace where you're like symbolizing, I'm giving it to him. And then in your mind, when you start to go there, you're like, no, 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 I gave it to him. I gave him the burden. I'm receiving his peace. We find peace when we give up trying to understand, when we rest in him and say, you know what, I don't need to know what's going to happen in order to be okay because I trust you. And we're back in this position of resting and letting him guide us. A lot of the times we like to worry because it's comfortable. And I mean, we wouldn't say that out loud, but it feels really normal and safe. Maybe you grew up in a home where everybody worried and they're like, if you If you really care about something, you worry about it a lot. The Holy Spirit is like, hey, are are you tired of that? You want to come get on the inner tube? And we're like, nah, I want to keep fighting the current. And I just, I really want to worry some more because it just feels safe. He's like, you can do that, but there's a better way. We don't have to play around with our worries. They're stealing our peace. When you're drowning you got to stop flailing around, right, so someone can rescue you. It's the same thing. We're drowning in our worries. That's because we're trying, and we're like, I can do this. No, no, no. Let Jesus rescue you. Stop striving and start trusting. Instead of worrying, pray. Jesus said, who could add an hour to their life by worrying? Don't worry. Trust. Don't worry, pray. Don't worry. Rest in what Jesus has already done, and enjoy your life. 
Philippians 4, 8 to 9 says, summing it all up, friends, I'd say you'll do best by filling your minds and meditating on things that are true, noble, reputable, authentic, compelling, gracious, the best, not the worst, the beautiful, not the ugly, things to praise, not to curse. Put into practice what you learned from me, what you heard and saw and realized. Do that and God who makes everything work together, he will work you into his most excellent harmonies. I love it. It says you'll do best. So you could settle for something else, but he says you'll do best when you fill your mind with good things. And that's our part. And when we do that, God does his part, which is giving us peace, working us into his most excellent harmonies. And one way to fill our minds with good things is to create a life-giving list, a life-giving list. And this is just a list of people, of places, of activities that give you life, that fill you up, that give you energy, that encourage you. Because so many times life just happens to us and there are lots of situations that are taking life and draining, places where you're needed and you're diffusing anxiety. But we also want to have places that on purpose are feeding us. Things that ground us in being human and more alive and more connected to God and allow us to worship him in peace. Gifts from God that remind us that we're his kids. So for me, my life-giving list, I just want to share it with you. Uh, The first category, people. Once a week on a Friday, I plan in uh, having a meeting with another pastor friend who will speak life into me, and I speak life into them. So, you know, Pastor Henry from Uganda, I talk to him once a month. Pastor Hannah from Ithaca and uh, Richie and Kimberly, we're doing a uh, prayer study with them, and I also have pastor's prayer. So each week I plan in something that I know will give me life. I want to encourage you, if you don't do that, start doing that for yourself with your friends and your peers and your mentors and the people who speak life into you. And then I also like to once a week go on a date with my husband, planning these rhythms that will fuel you. And then places. So uh, what are places that give you life? I think about my back patio in the summer. I like our patio furniture. It's really relaxing. Uh, It smells like honeysuckles outside. And I just like the breeze and the trees and the sunshine and summer. Other places, I like coffee shops and I like waterfalls. So my life-giving list is people, places, and the last one is activities. And one of the activities is going for pedicures with my daughter, Soph, uh, reading a book, kayaking. My husband and I like to watch Indiana Jones reruns together. I don't know why. I think it's because we both grew up on that. (laughs) And we like to go to Hershey Park with our kids. But figure out the things that give you life and then plan them into your schedule. Put it on the calendar. We all have people who give us life, and then we have some that cause some external anxiety like Noah talked about last week. You guys know what I'm talking about? He did so great. Did you love that message? Come on. If we don't plan in the life-giving moments, the anxiety-causing scenarios, they just suck up our time. It's just the nature of them. Another activity that brings life is getting into the word of God. It's living and it's active, which I think is so exciting. Like, God, I can open up your word and it's alive. Hebrews 4.12 says, God's powerful word is sharp as a surgeon's scalpel, cutting through everything, whether doubt or defense, laying us open to listen. His word, it cuts through all my doubts, 
all my defenses, and it helps me to listen. We've been talking this whole time about listening to his voice. If you need help listening to his voice, get in his word. We exchange our thoughts for his truth, and he changes us. It transforms us to the degree that you see Jesus in the Bible for who he really is. That's how you'll receive from him. Because I think if we really believed in Jesus, the one who said, I am who I am, and people fell down, if we really believed in his power to displace worry in our lives, we would get so excited to pray. We would be so like, oh my gosh, let's pray. We'd be like praying for everyone around us because that's who he really is. But our life experiences, they sometimes tell us otherwise, and we forget, and we're human, But if we really saw him the way he is in the Bible, oh man, that would change us. Isaiah 55, 9 says, As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, my thoughts higher than your thoughts. As the rain and snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but it will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purposes for which I sent it. You will go out in joy and be led forth in peace. So what's he saying here? He's like, my wisdom is so condensed. If I just dropped it all on you at once, it'd be crushing. You wouldn't be able to handle it. But he's saying as the rain comes down in little droplets, as snow comes down in little snowflakes and nourishes things and cleanses things and beautifies them, that's what my word does in you. It produces life in you. So when you come to God's house, his word comes down. His word is coming down right now. When you spend time reading your Bible, his word comes down. When you spend time listening to a book or a podcast about Jesus, his word comes down. And then when you walk out of this experience, when you close your Bible, when you finish your book, you go out with joy and you're led forth in peace. His word, it brings peace to every area of your life. He says it comes out of his mouth, it goes out to you, it does what it's supposed to do, and then it comes back to him. And maybe you're thinking, of course she's going to say, read your Bible, right? This is church. But that's the thing. God's ways are so simple and they're so accessible to everyone. His word accomplishes his desires, it achieves his purposes. And so when you read his word, your marriage gets better. And that anxiety that you've been dealing with, it gets better. And your parenting gets better. People who spend time in God's word, they carry peace. It's like it's an overflow. They're just different. His word renews our minds and it changes us from the inside out. You can't read his word and not be changed. His spirit speaks to you through his word. His spirit moves you with peace like a river. And it's a river that not only can you be immersed in, but you can have it on the inside too, flowing through you. John 7, 37, Jesus stood, he said in a loud voice, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. And by this he meant the spirit. When you spend time with Jesus, his spirit fills you so much that you can't help but overflow. It's like a a little kid with a cup of water that's just overfilled at the top and you're like ah don't walk fast with that you're gonna spill it everywhere 
It's the same for us, except it's a good thing. He fills us up and we're just overflowing. You know, he's pouring out of us, spilling out onto everyone around us. And then wherever we go, people are like, wow, that is weird. Something is different here. And you're like, yeah, he's just overflowing out of me. Our cup overflows with blessing, the Psalms say. We're not even trying. We're just overflowing. We're trusting. We're resting. We're at a position of rest with him. His ways are so much better than our way of trying without him. So peace bubbles up out of you and love bubbles up and joy and kindness and gentleness and self-control. These are the fruits of the spirit and we're going to be talking about these in a whole big series this summer. I'm excited about it. So we spend time with God through prayer and the word and he changes us and his presence rests on us. And it's like Moses, the Bible says he had to put a veil over his face because his face was glowing and people could tell he had been with God. It's like when you go to Starbucks. You guys like Starbucks? I love any coffee shop. I just love sitting there and the drinks are great, but the smell and the atmosphere, it's like, ah, this place smells so good. And then you leave that coffee shop and like an hour later, somebody's like, you smell like coffee do I smell Starbucks and you're like yeah it's me I've just been immersed in Starbucks and you know I I just can't help it it's overflowing the same thing happens when you spend time with the Holy Spirit he goes with you throughout your day he invades every environment that you enter When you walk into a room, the spirit changes the atmosphere because of his power at work within you. 1 John 4, 4, the spirit who lives in you is greater than the spirit who lives in the world. What you have in you with the Holy Spirit, oh man, he is so powerful. He's Jehovah Shalom. He's the Lord, our peace. You have the source of peace living within you. And his peace is greater than any situation, any pattern, any problem, any iniquity, anything that's been passed down from generation to generation. No, no, no. The peace is in you because of Jesus. You don't have to do this in your own strength. You don't have to try to paste on a smile, force yourself to keep going through life. You don't have to strive and work and try harder and be better. No, 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 no. You can rest in the love of God. You receive his love. You're empowered by the Holy Spirit to live a supernatural life. Your job is to believe. He says the best work that you can do is to believe the one he sent. He's the one who does the work, and Jesus already did it. So not only do we experience calm in the midst of anxiety, but we bring that calm wherever we go. And people are like, you are different. You are weird. You're so peaceful. I mean, it's crazy around here, and you're just calm. It's not that you don't have moments of anxiety, but you're aware of it, and you don't spread it to people. Instead, you spread peace. You walk into a room, you're differentiated. You're not enmeshed with people's emotions. And at the same time, you're not detached and ignoring them. That doesn't help anyone. But you're bringing peace into every situation. So if someone starts yelling at you, maybe they get into into your face. They're like pointing a finger at you. And they're obviously not peaceful. And you have peace. You can give it away. And the Holy Spirit will speak to you and maybe say, hey, you need to validate their feelings. Instead of arguing back with them, he'll say, hey, maybe you need to forgive them. 
Instead of getting distracted by the thing they're talking about, he'll say, hey, there's actually a root issue, a root hurt, a root offense that you never talked about, that that's what they're really struggling with. You need to talk about that thing. In our marriages, we all have the same fight patterns. We're going to talk about it uh, with our Navigating Relationships series. But we have patterns that we get stuck in. And if you can see the pattern with the help of the Holy Spirit, you can get beyond the pattern. So I'll give you an example. Yesterday, uh, my husband and I were having a discussion. And one of us said that the other of us doesn't do enough cuddling. It's so funny. I talked about this at nine. And they're like, was cuddling a euphemism for something else? I'm like, no, it's just cuddling. So they're like, you don't cuddle me enough. And the other one could have been like, I just, we just cuddled yesterday. What are you talking about? I cuddle you and just argue back and forth because that's normal. It's what we do, right? Fact, 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 fact. It's like ping pong back and forth. But the better way is to say, oh, you want to cuddle because you love me. Come on over here. Let's cuddle, right? You just take care of the actual issue with peace. Instead of getting anxious, instead of getting angry, we have peace to give away. We diffuse anxiety. So maybe you're going into a meeting at work and this is a meeting that happens every Monday and everyone dreads it and they've dreaded it for years and you go in with peace and you start off the meeting being less serious. Maybe you're more playful. Maybe you bring in some jokes and everybody's like, wow, this meeting tone is different today. This is fun. Or maybe you're, you know, on a basketball team and somebody's a ball hog and they never pass you the ball. Well, you could withhold the ball from them and be like, mm, don't pass to them because that's what they do. Or you'd be like, I'm going to pass to them every time until they feel safe and start passing to other people. Maybe someone is always criticizing you and you're like, I don't even want to talk to them. But when you go into that conversation, you go bringing a compliment. You go with peace. Instead of being on the defense, you go on the offense with love. You have peace in you to give away. You can break the cycle because you have living water and it's flowing through you. And as you give it away, God is filling you up afresh to give away more. And his spirit is greater than anything that you're going to face. And I think about our whole world, how it's looking for this. The world wants health. They want wholeness and freedom from depression. They want to feel secure. What they really want is shalom. And we have an overflow to give away. Jesus said, it's the sick who need a doctor. It's the anxious people who need me to set them free. He didn't run from anxiety. We have solutions that the people around us need. We can bring peace into every situation. And as we become healthy, we can help others to get well too. It only takes one healthy person to change an entire family that has been stuck for years. It only takes one person to make a workplace culture healthy. It only takes one person to change up the whole attitude in your entire friend circle, to break the cycle. And that's what church is. This is a healthy place where people get whole through Jesus, where we get whole through him, where we take this environment, this peace we have, this aroma of hope church, and we take it wherever we go. You know, we're God's plan to bring peace through the world. Sometimes we're praying like, God, just do something. We need more peace. And he's like, I did something. I sent you. You have peace in you. Now give it away. Matthew 10, 12, Jesus said, when you go into a house, say, 
peace be with you. Wherever you go, let your shalom peace rest on that place. Let it change the atmosphere. It's like in Star Trek, when they meet some foreign aliens, they say, we've come in peace. That's what we do too. Wherever we go, we go in peace. Because really, this world is not our home anyway. We're citizens of heaven who come in peace. We want to bring our position of rest with Jesus with us wherever we go. We don't want to jump off the inner tube and start being stressed. No, no, no. We rest. We're not trying to prove anything. We know God already approved of us. We're going to look at the baptism of the Holy Spirit. This is one of the keys to bringing peace. So prayer displaces worry. Reading the word puts truth in our lives. And then the Holy Spirit, you can have more of him. And we'll look at it in Acts 19.1. It says, while Apollos was in Corinth, Paul traveled through the interior regions and came to Ephesus. He found some disciples and he asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? No, they told him. We haven't even heard there's a Holy Spirit. All right, so what's happening? We've got some guys Paul runs into. They believe in Jesus. So they're saved. They're going to heaven. But I think there was something about them that made Paul go, I think you haven't been baptized in the Holy Spirit yet. Like maybe they were anxious. Maybe they were defeated. Maybe they were lacking peace in their lives. You know, a lot of us go our entire life that way. We do the right things. We go to church but we don't experience the living water that Jesus talked about, the part of God that he sent to empower us for life. And we think, why do other people have so much passion and joy? Am I missing out on something? I was reading a story this week about a man who was attending college in London a number of years ago, and he was interested in Christianity and the teachings of Jesus, and he's like, this could be the truth. Uh, when he graduated college, he's like, I just want to see it practiced in someone's life. And so he stayed with this Christian family. Uh, he got a job in South Africa, and he stayed with them for seven months. And while he was with them, he just observed them. You know, he wanted to see, what is it like to know Jesus, and how is your life different? And what he found with this particular family was that they were pretty apathetic. They didn't really take an interest in getting to know him. They weren't really excited about church. In fact, they usually dreaded it. They dreaded serving people. They dreaded anything outside of their family. And consequently, the student's interest in God, it, it turned to disappointment. And he moved back home to India, where he eventually led a revolution. And this young man's name was Mahatma Gandhi. And this is a true story. Gandhi was one of the most influential men in the 20th century, and he was so close to knowing Jesus. The Bible says that life with Jesus is an adventure. That's the truth. But he didn't see it lift out. This life with Jesus, it's a life of power. It's a life of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. And that's available to every believer. You can go your whole life without being baptized in the Spirit. And you'll still be saved. But if you can relate to the family in this story, God has more for you. Just like the disciples that Paul was talking to, he has more for you. Maybe you've never heard that there's a Holy Spirit. Or maybe you've gotten religious baggage. The enemies use people to give the Holy Spirit a bad name. You've seen some YouTube videos or something in church that you couldn't explain and you're like, no thanks, I don't wanna be weird. 
The thing is, he's not weird. He's God. Or maybe you think because the King James Version of the Bible calls him the Holy Ghost, you're like, oh, I don't want anything to do with ghosts. No, thank you. God wants you to experience everything that he has for you. But it's up to you to unwrap it. He's not going to force anything on you. And you're not less than if you don't have the Holy Spirit, but he's available to you. So what Paul does, he prays for these guys, Acts 19, 6. When Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they began to speak in tongues and to prophesy. They began to speak in a heavenly language that they couldn't understand, but God understands. Their spirit was speaking to his spirit and they began to prophesy, to encourage one another, to edify each other. Those seem like good things to me. Speaking in tongues is just the initial evidence that someone is filled with the Spirit because what happens is His Spirit fills you and it's overflowing and He asks you to move your mouth and let Him just speak through you. He bubbles up out of you. There's sometimes, especially when you're worrying, that you don't know what to pray and having the Holy Spirit intercede for you is powerful. Uh, a, a couple nights ago, my son was sick. He had fevers off and on all night and I didn't know what to pray. I'm like, God, I'm out of words, honestly. And I just started speaking in tongues because God prays better than we pray anyway. Let him intercede for you. You know, the Holy Spirit, he doesn't possess you. He doesn't make you do anything you don't wanna do. It's not like, oh my gosh, if I start speaking in tongues, then I'm just not gonna be able to control it and I'm gonna go to the grocery store and work and ah! No, 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 no. He says, you use your free will and I'll fill you. 2 Timothy 1.6, Therefore I remind you, stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Paul's talking about speaking in tongues. This is the gift that you get from laying on of hands. This is the only gift that we can operate in ourselves. We can choose to say, nope, I don't want to, or yes, I want to. All the other gifts, we're like, God, I'm available, but he has to do something beyond us. With this gift, he's like, my spirit's in you. You can let him out if you want to. And Paul says, stir up this gift. This is a gift that we can practice and it empowers us for life. Let it flow through you as you rest in him. It's a rest. Maybe you've strived to speak in tongues and you're like, I just can't do it. And you're struggling. Maybe you're operating out of a work instead of a rest. That's okay. Get back over on the inner tube. Don't struggle. Surrender. Or maybe you have a spot in your life that's blocking the Holy Spirit, a place where God has been speaking to you and you're like, yeah, I've just been tuning you out. Like maybe he's like, you need to forgive what that person did to you. And you're like, God, I don't really want to. He's like, I know you don't want to, but I'm gonna help you do it so that you can get free. Maybe you need to apologize to someone. Maybe you need to, go, to let go of a root of bitterness or an offense. When he speaks to you, just listen to him and let him guide you. Get back in the tube. Let him lead you. When you trust in him, peace follows. Rest in his finished work in the river of peace. Pray instead of worrying, because we all worry from time to time. But when you do, pray. That's why our prayer team's always available. They want to stand with you in agreement. And then exchange your anxious thoughts for the truth of God's word. His thoughts and his ways are higher, they're better than our ways, and his ways transform us.